0: series we've been going over we've called it summer acts we're going over the book of acts and today I have chapters 10 11 and 12 to go over with you and I know I don't have to go over everything but there are some key factors in each chapter so we're going to kind of skim we're going to jump around a little bit but I'm trying to keep the stories of the three characters we're going to highlight today kind of concise for you so you can follow along <clears throat> so I'm going to give you the three points of the sermon right now so for you note takers you can write it down And then you can just pay attention and ask God what he has for you today. So the point of this sermon, and I'm giving you this so that when we read these scriptures, you can kind of look through that lens. And that can be the filter that you're seeing this through. So the point is that God cares about the condition of your heart. Our hearts matter to God. The second point is that we need Christ as our Lord and not just our Savior. And I'll explain that later. And the point, the third point, because Pastor Peter and Pastor Mark say it's not a sermon if I don't have three, is Jesus loves you. <clears throat> Check that off the list. Uh, we, Like I said, we got a lot of ground to cover, so buckle up. But before we do, like always, I want to open in prayer. Because I, I want us to start off by getting the posture of our heart right. That's what worship is about, obviously but I want us to take this chance if we didn't during worship to repent and tell God that we're open to receive from him. So if you can, close your eyes. If you're at home, close your eyes. If this is a podcast, do not close your eyes because you're probably driving. So Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for the words we're about to hear. God, I pray that you take my best, which is nothing, and you turn it into what you want to accomplish today. Lord, if there's anything that we've done to offend you or your spirit, we just ask for forgiveness right now. And we accept your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness, and we ask that you be with us. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. For everyone over here, I apologize, it's going to be a lot of this. Uh, I've got a lot of reading, and we're going to go through it. For some reason, I don't read well off those screens up there. So anyways, we're going to be looking at three characters today. First is Peter, a disciple of Christ. Yes, that Peter, the denied Christ Peter. That's the guy we're looking at. The denied Christ three times, then Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep three times. That's the Peter we're looking at today. Then we're going to be looking at uh, a centurion named Cornelius, We'll give you a little bit of his background as well. And then lastly, we're going to be looking at Herod, who is the ruler of the area they live in in this time. So we need to pay attention to their hearts, because like we said, God cares about the condition of our hearts. So pay attention to their hearts and their responses to the situations and the things they're experiencing. And you might say, well, Jared, we can't, we can't know their heart. Like, we can't see their heart. And you are correct, but we can see the evidence of it. And from that, draw a pretty good conclusion as to the state of their heart. Person number one is Peter, okay? Peter's upbringing, he is Jewish, right? And his religion, they are very strict about certain things. What they eat and how what they're eating was killed, and the people they're allowed to eat with, be in the homes of, they have very strict rules, and his entire upbringing has been based in these rules. But the issue is that Christ said specifically that Peter is to spread the gospel among the Gentiles, which is just a fancy word for non-Jewish people, which is pretty much all of us here. But Peter kind of has these prejudices built in from his upbringing, and that's going to make it difficult. It's hard for God to flow through you freely when you have some prejudice in there. We're going to look at that. So, buckle up. We're diving into the scripture. We're reading. It's fast and furious. Just hold on. Here we go. Acts 10, verses 10 through 20. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. This is basically how every one of my stories starts, as well. While the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance he saw heaven opened, something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as birds and reptiles. This is probably what Greg Lee's fever dreams are like, just a blanket of meats. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything unclean, or impure or unclean. Now, it seems to me like Peter thinks God is testing his devotion to the law. Like, look at all these delicious meats. Go have some. And he's like, nope, not fallen for it, God. You're not gonna tempt me. And it's like, this isn't, this isn't Satan tempting Jesus in the desert with bread. Like, this is a vision from the Lord. So I think he's missing something. His response is odd to me. Then the voice said to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken. Peter's got this weird thing with threes, right? He's got to be told everything three times. He seems a little bit stubborn, but you know, we'll allow it. God chose him. Then the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, I like that as well. God specifically said, do not call anything impure that I've called clean. Peter's like, what's he mean by that? The spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent you. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa, where they were, went along. The following day, he arrived at Caesarea, Cornelius. Now, this is our second character. We're going to look at him in a second, right? But Peter just arrived at his house. Cornelius, a Roman centurion, Gentile, was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. How did Peter respond? God took in, in like this major piece. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. God will take things that you've believed your entire life and just rip them out from under you because of your upbringing, because of prejudice, because of your environment. So, Peter had these major things that him and all of his family have always believed for hundreds of years. God rips it out from under him. He walks for two days. And when he arrives at the place, it's settled in him. That's an incredible response. Leaders, and when I say leaders, I don't just mean those of you running a small group. I mean parents, because our family is our first ministry. That's what it says in the scripture. We have to remain open to God changing us. To God changing our views, our perspective. You get a little bit of success in a cell group or in a ministry or in a whatever it is how you're serving God. Do not think it's because you've arrived and you're done changing. It is because, because God is blessing your heart in that service in spite of where you are. And we have to continually change. We're going to jump ahead a little bit like it, like it is with all the disciples at one point or another, Peter was kept in prison. <clears throat> we'll explain this a little bit more later. But. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping. I would just, let me go back to that real quick. He was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for him. Notice how often in Scripture an act of the Spirit or a miracle comes after people are earnestly praying. It's pretty incredible. Peter was sleeping between two guards bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Doesn't sound like a man worried about his eternity to me. Chained to two guards. Sorry. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Get up quick, he said. The chains fell off of Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals so the guy's chained to guards butt naked the night before he dies sleeping away like he's got to be tapped to wake up I would have a very different reaction to this situation uh, and then the angel said to him put your clothes on uh, and your sandals Peter did so wrap your cloak around you and follow me the angel told him Peter followed him out of the prison I can't help but notice he didn't have to tell him three times anybody notice that? And it's funny, I find it very funny, but when he's all comfortable at home, taking a nap before a meal, God speaks to him, he's like, well, hold on, God. Hold on, God, I gotta talk to you about that. He argues, there's a little back and forth. But when God is saving him from prison, he's just like, yep, we're going, we're out. And he goes. We need to respond as quickly to God leading us as we do to him saving us. Do you understand that? Let me give you an example. <clears throat> Just, you're, you know, you're in, a, you're in a small group, right? And the leader says to you, hey, have you guys thought about getting any kind of like Christian marriage counseling or anything like that? Oh, well, pff, well, yeah, I mean, I'd love to. I got a lot going on. Or money's tight. Or I can't make the times work. Or we don't have childcare. Or on and on a thousand other different reasons. There's pushback. Wise counsel comes, a little bit of pushback. But when there's a blowout, knockdown, dragout fight, and everything's crashing down, suddenly you've got the money for counseling. Then you make time. If we respond to God when he's gently leading us, maybe he won't have to rescue us so often. This is why Hope and I we, we see a marriage counselor regularly. We want to be sure that it doesn't get to that point. And in fact, if you speak to anyone in our group, married or single, you, they will openly tell you that we suggest often that all of them go speak to a counselor because it's not us. We can give you wise counsel as friends, but we are not counselors, right? So we encourage everyone, go get counseling. Sit down with them a few times. Do this. Do the maintenance before it becomes triage, we need to respond quickly to, as quickly to God leading us as we do to him saving us. I want to jump ahead. Let's look at Cornelius, the centurion. This is person number two. right? So this man, he is a Roman soldier who has decided to follow God. He has witnessed and won his entire family to the Lord even though he's a Gentile. That's really significant. He doesn't understand everything about this religion but he knows in his heart that God is real. He is doing his absolute best with what he knows. So he knows this much and he's doing all of it. So it says in the scripture that he doesn't skip any prayer. I wanna get these right. He doesn't skip any prayer times, that's three a day. He keeps the Sabbath, he gives to the poor. He doesn't allow his family to worship any idols. It says here that he feared God with his entire house. Normally, you hear somebody feared God with their entire heart. This man feared God with his entire heart, his house, everyone in his household, everyone in his keeping. Look at this man's heart as we read. Chapter 10, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. This man was from Italy. He was super Roman, and he is over here. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. This means during the day, he is a commanding officer in the oppressing army. And then at night, he gives his money and his time and his things to the people who he has to, for work, oppress. That is an incredible amount of humility shown by this man. One day, about three in the afternoon, when he was praying, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Incredible. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. When the angel spoke to him, had gone, Cornelius immediately, see this, didn't wait, didn't argue. Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and he sent them to Joppa. How did Cornelius respond? He was obedient. He immediately acted. He had a conviction, but God knew that he needed more than that because conviction and knowledge will make service to God easy for a time, but relationship is what makes service a lifestyle. He needed to to know the person of Jesus Christ. He needed to have the Holy Spirit, not just conviction. So Peter, remember Peter has his meat stream. God tells him to go. He goes. He shows up at Cornelius' house. That's where we are in the story. Cornelius bows at his feet and he says, no, 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 get up. I'm just a man, just a man. I'm here to talk to you because God sent me. Here's where we are. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Then Peter goes on to give a wonderful sermon, which I do not have time to go into, so you should check that out. We're skipping ahead to 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. God sees your heart. He saw the heart of this man. He did everything with what he knew. But he needed Peter to come and give him that next step. Who is that person in your life? Are you in a community with someone who is just a step ahead of you in this faith? That's all it takes, just somebody who can give you the next piece. Are you going to a small group? Who is that person for you? Can't you just see the heart of this man gathering everyone? He didn't say, wow, Peter, that was an incredible sermon and I am so inspired that I am going to go to school and learn all about the scriptures because I want to learn as much as I can in case on the off chance I be asked to back up the theology of the Trinity. And it's like, no, he knew this much and he took this much and he gave it to everyone he loved. And then he waited for God to give him the next piece. You are never going to know enough. Take what God has given you and give it to those around you and then wait for him to give you the next piece. He's waiting for you to give it before you get the next piece. You're thinking you need to have more. No, you have plenty. Give that away, and then you'll get the next piece. This is what he's seeing. Some of you are here today, you believe in God with your whole heart, but you haven't received the Holy Spirit, much like Cornelius you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And then there's some of you who are thinking, wait, 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 how did he receive the Holy Spirit? He did not follow the steps. I I have a worksheet at home of the steps, and it very clearly states the steps before he receives the Holy Spirit. And it's kind of like with Peter. He had to learn that maybe God isn't concerned how I think he should do his plan with his creation. What I think doesn't matter. Now this doesn't really fit in with any of this but whatever I feel like I'm supposed to say it so here it comes <clears throat> I think there's a lot of people in churches I'm not just saying this one so if you're triggered just you know assume I meant someone else <laughs> clearly not you We call Jesus our lord and savior but we really mean savior We don't focus so much on the Lord part. Because Lord, Lord means one having supreme power and authority over others. It means a ruler by hereditary right to whom service and obedience are due. No, we call him Lord, but we have such a poor understanding of lordship, being Americans. I love America, don't get me wrong. Put the shotguns away, I'm just talking for a second. We don't like the idea of someone lording over us, right? Like we have been raised from infancy to be on the lookout for tyranny, to be on the lookout. Our authority is elected. I choose you for now. You get four years, then you're out. I choose who's in authority over me. I don't think we even truly understand what lordship is. So when you say he is your Lord, do you actually mean that he is your Lord or do you mean that he is your elected deity? He is who you have chosen is real. Because the reality of it is he is Lord whether we have decided to accept the fact or not. You can choose to act as a son and daughter of the Most High King or not. It does not affect his seat as Lord. And when we say Lord and Savior, that's why I mean I think a lot of us are leaning more towards the Savior part. Because we do and say and think a lot of things that don't seem like we're submitted to him as our Lord. Let's look at person number three. Herod Agrippa. Nice guy. He was not nice. He was horrible, by the way. So, he is, uh, I think, I always get the, I keep getting the term wrong. I think he was referred to as the the last Jewish king because he was so sympathetic towards the Jews. He would like hold festivals, it says that he honored the festivals. He would, um, he would make sure that the festivals happened when they needed to happen on time. He would even come out and give um, blessings, traditional Hebrew blessings over the festival at the beginning of the ceremony. Like he was extremely sympathetic to them and he loved the Jewish people and they kept him in power. So it was kind of a nice thing. He even had been heard praying to Yahweh. It's incredible. So here's where we are. Okay, let me bring you up to speed on the story. Peter, this is the guy that grabbed Peter and put him in prison. What happened first is he grabbed James, beheaded James, and the Jews were like, we like that, more of that. So he grabbed Peter. There's a festival about to start. He's planning on beheading Peter and getting even more Jews to rally behind him. Angel miraculously breaks him out of prison, like we learned. So where we are in the story is Herod's pissed because his guy's gone, and he's got to walk out and start this festival, okay? On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of a God, not a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. Most important part about this story, but the word of God continued to spread and flourish. So there's this, uh, there's this Jewish historian and writer. His name was Josephus, and I know they've talked about him from stage before, but he was, um, he was not a Christian. He did not believe Um, in that but he was in in this part of the world in this time and he was actually at this festival and witnessed this and has a writing about this event and it's incredible seeing what what the scripture highlights versus what Josephus highlights so he talks about how uh, Herod wore this pure silver suit you know I'm assuming it was some kind of military armor of some kind, right? Whatever they wore. But it was pure silver. And so in the morning, he came out into the amphitheater and the the morning sun shone on him and in the dew, he referred to it as so resplendent that it was almost hard to look at and then it looked like he was glowing. And he had people in the audience, Josephus even says he thinks he planted these people in the audience, that shouted, you're more than a man, forgive us. Forgive us for calling you a man, but you're a God. Forgive us. And he didn't say anything about it. And Josephus is like, man, they were they were calling him a God, and he didn't say anything about it, and God killed him. But I love how the importance of, of what Acts says. Wearing his royal robes, no need to highlight. Man glorifying man. He put on his stuff, he got out there. What's important is that the word of God continue to spread and flourish. We know that God allows the people in power to be there, but we cannot for a second elevate them beyond what they are, which is a servant of God. Whether they know it or not, we know from scripture that he has allowed them to be in that position, so they are a servant. How did Peter respond to get, getting praised? Get up, get up, get up. I'm just a man. Cornelius could have been in this exact same spot. He had he was over at least 100 people. But no, he didn't take any of it. How did Herod respond? He loved it. Where's the focus of your story? When people ask you what's going on, how you're doing, how you came to where you are, how did you find success in school, in business, in whatever it is that you're doing? What is the focus of your story and what do you choose to highlight? How do I respond? When I get a chance to take a little bit of glory no matter how small, do I? See, God cares about your heart. Like Pastor Mark said last week, not your feelings. He cares about the position of your heart. How do you respond when you get disappointed, when you get praise? How do you respond? I'm going to ask everyone to stand up as I close in prayer. Jimmy, it's a long one. Come help me, though. God sees your heart. There's people in here that are like Peter, like we read about, that you believe in God with all your heart, but maybe there's some prejudices there. Maybe there's some things that you think should be going a certain way and they're not. And you see people in church or doing ministry or in your family or whatever, and it's not going the way you think it should and your first thought is to judge them and their intentions. Some of you tend to be more annoyed at how another leader is doing something, more so than you're happy about what God is doing through their best efforts. Maybe you argue with God when times are good and when you rescue him you just, you get up and you say yes sir and you go. Some of us here are like Cornelius, where you believe in God with your whole heart but you don't know the person of Jesus Christ you have not accepted the Holy Spirit you need to get connected to a community you need to find a small group there are people here that are waiting to show you your next step in Christ but if they don't know you're asking for it then they can't give it to you it's on us to be bold and ask and go get what we need There's some of us in here like Herod, right? That you you know of Jesus, but he's not your Lord. If you really think about it, you haven't submitted fully to him. Or maybe you are sympathetic to the festivals like Herod was. You might be here right now reluctantly, but you like to keep your church going to a minimum. I come at Easter, I come at Christmas. I honor the festivals. I say the thing when they say the thing. I'm good. But when it really gets hard, when it's not going your way, he's not Lord. You don't have a relationship with him. Jesus is your elected deity, not your Lord. No matter which one of these three you may be going through, you may be struggling with right now, the amazing thing is that the solution is the same for all of them. It is to know person of Jesus Christ it is to accept the Holy Spirit into your heart no matter where you are no matter what you're going through right now the solution is getting closer to Jesus Christ allowing him to do what he died to do for you so what I want you to do right now is I, I just ask you to close your eyes If you have slipped out of relationship with Jesus or if you feel like he is not the Lord of your life I just want you to pray with me say Heavenly Father forgive me I want to make you Lord of my life I accept your son Jesus Christ Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Speak to me, Lord. Lord, for anyone who is struggling out here right now, I just ask that your presence be heavy on them, that you give them the boldness to go get what they need, that you give them the boldness to not wait for a rescue, that they move when they feel you push them when they feel you correct them or speak to them, that we move. God, give us the boldness to speak up, to go get what we need. We ask that you are with us as we leave from this place. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And before, uh, before I turn it over, I want to encourage one more thing. Before you leave here today, if you attend a small group or anything like that, if your small group leader is here, go talk to them about about what God's doing in you. Because the second you leave this place, it's about kids, lunch, it's about Monday, it's about work, it's about all the garbage. So while this is fresh in your heart, take an opportunity, take two minutes to share with someone what God is saying to you, to solidify that in your heart and in your mind is what God is doing today. So thank you.